I hear a flipping of pages. Do you have notes? Do you have pages and pages of notes? I've prepared some notes, yes. Okay, good, because I was going to do this all from memory. Ooh, nice. Right. So, let's get started. Get started? Yeah, let's, why waste any time? Let's get into it. Watchmen. We saw the first two episodes. What'd you think? <laughs> Pretty broad question. <laughs> Maybe we back up. What's your familiarity, hard word to say, with this property? Uh, so I am a, a comic book nerd, so I uh, I was familiar with the Watchmen, the, the graphic novel from the 80s. Um, and then uh, saw the movie, the um, Zack Snyder movie that came out. And I I actually enjoyed the movie. I'm I'm I was a fan of it. Of course, this was before Zack Snyder tried to take over all of DC and ruin it. But um, and then um, I've kind of been away from the Watchmen. I, I know there was um, a prequel series of comic books that came out before Watchmen. I did not read any of those. Um, and then, so this is my re-entry into the Watchmen after several decades, I would say. Um, and it's, um, it was interesting. Okay, good. Well, you'll hear on, on the next episode of Hooplecast that will be published eventually that I have no uh, association with Watchmen. I, I knew of it. Um, uh, <laughs> that's about I the don't... extent of it. <laughs> I don't think you're the target audience of this show, then. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I I'm enjoying the first. I've enjoyed the first two episodes, and and I will keep watching. But I do feel like there's a lot of Easter eggs and things. In fact, I know that there are because I've read an articles that showed this is the all the stuff that's from the comics that's sort of uh, hinted at ever so slightly, or maybe even not so slightly, uh, in the show. And if you're a major fan of the comics, you're really going to appreciate all of these fun little Easter eggs. Uh, and of course, all of that's lost on me. And I feel like even <laughs> if I had read the book or the graphic novel or series of comic books ahead of this, I probably would have picked up on those things, but I wouldn't appreciated them. So right. I, as, as long as I can follow the plot, like I'm following what's happening. So that's good. So I, I think if you had seen the Zack Snyder movie, you are, are pretty much up to date on any kind of, you know, uh, Easter eggs uh, that they might throw in. You know, when they mention Dr. Manhattan, you kind of have to know that, hey, there's this blue guy named Dr. Manhattan that, you know, and that it's much a big I knew. deal. I knew All that right. much. I also listened to a Taku split screen. Kirk and Maddie talked about Watchmen for like 20 minutes. So I feel like I got a good primer on what it is and why it's revered. I will say that this series is based heavily on the graphic novel and not the the movie itself. There there is small differences, and maybe those are the Easter eggs that uh, are really you know lost on you. But I, I would also say the um, format of the show, this show, is very reminiscent of the comic book. And those are the small nuances that you would not get if you had just seen the, the Zack Snyder movie. Mm, which I hadn't seen either. Uh, I would say that the only part of the show that doesn't make sense is when they cut away to England, I'm guessing it is, and Jeremy Irons and his clones are doing whatever it is they're doing. Uh, I have zero idea what those scenes are about, but 
I've seen The Leftovers. I trust in Damon Lindelof now. He will explain it at some point. It'll pay off. So I'm I'm okay being a little bit lost about stuff. How are you feeling with the spoilers of either the graphic novel from the 80s, which is now, I don't know how many, 30, oh, 40 years care. old? Yeah, okay. So the um, – uh, and, you know, I have a like a, a role-playing background, uh, play role-playing games quite often, and I enjoy the world-building uh, aspect of some of these shows. And um, uh, world-building as a character is pretty pretty important to me. So in that first episode when there's this squid shower and there's like little references to like cleaning up the squids, like the uh, street sweepers clean up the squids, uh, that is from the graphic novel. Uh, at the end of, um, at the end of the graphic novel, there's, um, uh, a giant squid attack in New York city that kind of destroys New York city. And so the, I like that these are like remnants, like a kind of like an acid rain shower after a nuclear fallout. The, this is like the, the acid shower from that giant squid attack in New York city. I just, I, I just like that little, little piece of it. Um, that I don't know. What do you feel about the the squid shower that just randomly happened in the first episode? Well, I mean, it mystified me. I didn't know what it meant. But have you seen the leftovers? Yes. yes so sir. you know, like, just this is a common example. But in the first episode of the second season, when the guy brings the goat into the restaurant and kills it, you're like, "What the hell was that all about?" <laughs> and you're just mystified for like six episodes or so and then they just explain it and you're like oh yeah that makes total sense like i don't need things explained to me up front if it just it's, it could sit in the back the background and then you know be brought back to the foreground at some point in a little reference like that's okay like i'm i'm okay with not knowing how every piece fits yeah as long I'm as i know that somewhere somewhere it does fit and if i really wanted to dig into it and you know it's not random like it was put there on purpose i don't need to know the purpose of every single thing all the time that's not how my personality works i'm okay with a little bit of mystery yeah i don't i don't know if they'll ever go back to explain it though i mean they, i mean i, I mean, think it's just thing. a yeah, the squid thing. <laughs> no, and they probably won't because it's explained in the comics, and that's sufficient, and that's fine because it's not a random thing that they did just for the hell of it. It has a purpose, and it makes sense to you, and I'm, and it's okay that it doesn't make sense to me because it doesn't really affect the plot. So, no. at least, but, and if it, and if it does, I think they would bring, they would explain it more if it does affect yeah. the plot. It's you were, you were mentioning like um, little Easter eggs from the, that only the, the comic readers would know. So when they're, you know, the scene after that, they're hosing off the sidewalk to get the, the squids off. Um, and that's in the first uh, issue of the Watchmen, they, they end up hosing off the blood. Uh, the, it's the comedian's blood off the sidewalk. And it's just those parallels. It's like, you'll, you'll see those, um, you know, mirrored from this TV show to the graphic novel. And it's, I get a little fun giddy of it. Just, just a, like a scene for scene swap. Yeah. I bet it's very satisfying to have that connection. And I'm a little jealous that I don't, but again, if I had even just read the comic book, I would go, Oh yeah, that's the thing they did. But I don't think it would resonate with me on an emotional level. Like it does for like real fans of the original work. What about uh, all the clock imagery? I mean, that that seems very pervasive. Like you, you would it would stand out. You would see that. 
Do you know what uh, you know what I'm talking about? Um, <clears throat> just in no, both episodes, really. uh, episode one and episode two, they they kind of focus on clocks. You know, there's the grandfather clock that they kind of focus on. There's uh, Adrian Veidt's, uh pocket watch. There's the egg timer in episode two. Just all these little references to the clock, and that's in the broader sense. That's the um, doomsday clock. That's the countdown clock. And the closer you are to midnight, the closer you are to the apocalypse. So if you, if you look at any clock face and it's really close to midnight, like in the second episode, it, was, it hit midnight at one point. Um, that's just doom is inbound. Oh, so you, you, at certain points of every episode, there's like a pivotal moment. And it and if I see a clock in the background, it's telling me, hey, in about five minutes, there's going to be a big scene. Pay attention. Put away your well, phone five minutes from now. So it's that it's that clock, but also like uh, just a circular imagery. Anytime where there's a circle, and you'll you'll see circles throughout, and it doesn't have to be a clock face, but just that circle. It kind of reminds you that oh yeah, there's a doomsday clock ticking somewhere, and kind of the tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Mm. Well, see now I'm reminded of Millennium and the Ouroboros, which is a circle, circle, and. Uh, the Millennium Group, when you turn on the computers, it would say there are 200 days remaining, and we just keep counting down there to the Millennium. There you go. So, so that's interesting. Um, I, I'm trying to get your perspective on it because I, I kind of know a little bit more. What What do you think of Nixon and kind of like the references to President Nixon? Well, if there were references in the first episode, they went right by me. But obviously, <laughs> in the second episode, they go to Nixonville. Which is strange. <laughs> <laughs> so the, this universe um, kind of had um, an, it's an alternate history where President Nixon was reelected multiple times um, and became like a, a seminal president. Like um, in the first episode, you actually see a shot of Mount Rushmore and uh, Nixon's face is carved into the rock face. He's the, the fifth president on Mount Rushmore. Got it. So Nixon was a big deal at one point. He he seems to be um, not so popular anymore. Like he, Nixonville is, you know, kind of this white trash trailer park kind of thing. Mm. And Nixon is, you know, the the de facto head of that. But uh, I, I I imagine like you know you, you get President Trump. In 20 years, if I don't see, you know, like uh, <laughs> uh, trailer trash, you know, uh, with uh, President Trump, Trumpville or something, it's just <laughs> the parallels to current politics is kind of interesting where, where, where it was. Yeah, curious thing. <laughs> I wonder if there'll be more Nixon. They've I hope got, not. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> I don't need to see more of him. <laughs> mm. obviously the obviously race is a huge like like the the most important thematic like undercurrent of this entire enterprise definitely definitely does um was it like that like, in the in the comic book no so this is very unique not. to this correct okay I'm very unique. um i do like that the the main character played by regina king um is a person of color and uh, I think that's important to to get that perspective. 
and it kind of it brings a new light into this this Watchmen world. Um, that um, even the the very first episode with uh, Tulsa nineteen twenty one the, the massacre uh, at Tulsa is just something that kind of history overlooked, but it's very real event that happened. Now, um, I was I was gonna say no one said this because I don't know if it's true or not, and then I just as I'm forming the question in my head, I realize it's not true. <laughs> but I was wondering if Regina King um, and this show, if she was the first black woman to lead a HBO drama. But then as I was thinking of the question, I remembered, uh, of course, now I can't remember the actress's name, but from the number one ladies detective agency. Mm-hmm. So one of your favorites. Yeah. One of my favorites. So I guess that wouldn't be true. Although mm-hmm. that was a while ago and that was a joint venture with, I don't know, BBC or some UK station. So um since you brought it up earlier so the the guy that's over in wales uh that's kind of off doing his own thing with his clones his uh you know two little servants a male and female servant what what do you think of that I, <laughs> do you have any idea what's going on <laughs> i'm i know that that's ichabod crane from sleepy hollow he looks way better with a beard so that's irritating I have I have zero clue what's going on without Claude. I I don't know. I don't even want to speculate because I am sure at some point it'll pay off. But right now I'm watching those scenes going okay, and I feel felt like the uh, the one last night was it last night? No, it was two nights ago. Um, was too long. That whole play like it just. I'm not sure it needed to be that long. It's the only thing. But I could tell that those uh, servants were not human. I didn't know if they were robots. I kind of thought they were robots because they were not. Because the one guy presented a horseshoe, like, you can cut the cake with the horseshoe. And he's like, that's a horseshoe, you silly robot. Well, now I don't want to spoil it for you. So what okay, what about don't. the play? What do you think of the play? Did, do you have any idea what that play is about? I don't know. No. Wow. Wow. No. It. I have a whole different take knowing, you know, what I know just, and not knowing it's kind of mystifying to me. Um, It's mystifying what it would be like not to know. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I I envy you in in a way. But it's again, because I watched the leftovers. I know what it's like to see scenes and not understand what they are like in the larger context until episodes later and then putting them together going i love how these puzzle pieces fit together and thank you for trusting that the audience doesn't need all the need to see the entire picture all at once that they can wait and then feel get the payoff later and i'm hoping that's what will happen i'm hoping that it's not just a thing that you understand and i never get to understand i feel like that's i don't know i don't know what that situation is going to be like and even if that turns ends up being what happens I'm fine with it. Whatever. Then the show wasn't made for me. That's okay. So that that is one one plot that I f- foresee colliding with um, Tulsa, I right? So, so. Yeah, yeah, the those two will come together. But uh, I don't expect that happening until like the very end of this season, or if they're having multiple seasons. It's a it's definitely like a Danny Targaryen situation where you have this whole separate plot line that seems unconnected to the rest of the game of thrones um and you know it's just you're waiting for the you know 
you're waiting for Danny to cross the the waters to get get to the rest of the yeah the plot. It's, it's kind of like that though. In that show, obviously they explained who she was like, right away, and oh yeah, yeah. So they just yeah. did it here, and <laughs> that's okay. I don't know if the show's getting another season. It's been hinted that it's a limited run, nine episode season, and then that's it. Uh, I could certainly see them doing another kind of successor to this, sort of like not the same cast, but some characters might pop up. It's some sort of parallel story, like mm-hmm. keeping the world just with a different storyline. <laughs> that would be fine. I don't know. You're laughing again. I must have said something funny. I, I'm, I'm just like, uh, I'm looking through my notes. I'm like, well, I don't really want to talk about that now. Now that I know, uh, that, <laughs> that I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. Um, what well, about the, could, hold on to those notes. We can do another one when the finale airs. We'll talk about it again. We'll circle back around and you can explain all you want to explain. Let's go through the characters. Um, so the Regina King plays Sister Knight. I think she's the, the strongest character of the, the whole series. Oh, absolutely. She is the lead and she is well, she is the Regina King. She's a sweetheart. I love her. <laughs> uh Don Johnson plays um Chief of Police, Judd Crawford. What do you think of that well, guy? He, uh, well he did. <laughs> well, he was in some fra- flashbacks flashback flashbacks flashbacks. By the way, I knew he was gonna die as soon as he started singing at dinner. I was like, oh, yeah. he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> this is way too cute. This is not lasting. He's dead. Um, yeah. I-, I like his character. I'm very disappointed to find out he's a white supremacist. Yeah, that was interesting. That was, uh, though there were, uh, little hints of it. Um, especially the, at the beginning of the first episode where you had a, uh, black marshal chasing down a corrupt white sheriff in a white hat. And then, um, at the end of that episode, you see, you know, a, a black man in a wheelchair hanging the corrupt, corrupt in quotes, we don't quite know, uh, chief of police who wears a white hat. So the the parallels were there right right from the very beginning. You know, it took a whole episode to kind of to see that. Mm. Um, some of the other costume characters. There's the guy Looking Glass. What do you think of that guy? He wears the silver mask. And he's fine. He's he's the guy from Oh Brother, We're Out Thou. Yep. He's, he's okay. <laughs> I don't really know much about him. Uh, let's see. Who? It's, oh, the Red Scare. That's the communist, all in red kind of guy. Very s- strange. Is he a naturalized citizen? What's his deal? <laughs> It it is interesting. So Tulsa PD has like costumed uh, vigilantes on the force. Does every does every town have you know four or five costumed vigilantes? It it made sense in the Watchmen, which took place in New York City, right? You know all these you know costumed figures. But Tulsa does Tulsa really need you know vigilantes on the police force? Uh, Maybe in this parallel. World, yes, Tulsa suddenly became a really big deal. Um, Maybe this is where like Silicon Valley, like in this world, landed. A lot of startups in Tulsa. I like the Red Scare just because his uh, his little mask is just like a, a ski mask that he's cut out the eyes and mouth to. Like he took no effort, and he's wearing the red jumpsuit, like from mother Russia. I don't know. I don't know. Everyone's got to have a gimmick these days. 
Yeah. What would your costume be? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out a uh, sister night, you know, like she's dressed as a nun and kind of sister. Is, is she Catholic? Was that, is that part of her background? I hmm. can't quite figure out what sister night other than. Well, sister, kind of looks cool. she's black. So the yeah. sister, you know, yeah. <laughs> I know it'd be probably with an AH at the end, sister night, but sister. I love, I love the, the belt. With the with the badge on it, mm-hmm. she wears her badge right on her belt. I didn't notice that the first episode, but the second episode, I was like, "Oh yeah, I like that. I like how it cinches at her waist. I like I like her whole deal, the hood, the 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 just the, enough pain around her eyes that she puts the mask on, on right underneath. Gosh, she's hot. <laughs> she's so cool. She's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I love her whole deal. Um. And her husband's really nice guy too. He is a nice guy. He's almost too nice, you know. In this dark and gritty world, you, you kind of think that everyone's like a little shade of gray. So I'm, I'm waiting to see if he remains pure. If he remains alive. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Uh, so, and uh, there's a couple cameos in the second episode. Did you catch them? Uh, cameos in what regard? Uh, Jim Beaver. Oh, yeah. Well, that wasn't a cameo. That was just a guest appearance. I don't think any... You think they would put in there for Matt? Like, Matt. Matt's gonna love this. We're gonna put Jim Beaver in here for a scene. HBO loves recycling their character actors, so it was good to see Jim Beaver. Of course, we know from, uh, as Ellsworth from HBO's Deadwood. Yeah. So, is he the grandparent of the two kids? Yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. S- that's what I assumed. Yeah, Topher is the the oldest child. Topher. Mm-hmm. And the other two, I don't remember. No, no. The girls. Not important. <laughs> uh, I caught um, actor Robert Wisdom. Uh, he played the newsstand seller, and he's uh, an actor from HBO's The Wire. So okay. he looked familiar. I, yeah, I hope he he's back. the The news. The the news newspaper um, kind of the reporting is a like a character in Watchmen. There's um, uh, what you see on the screen and what you actually is happening in real life. They're they're not synced up. Um, so what the it's almost fake news and even this uh, newsstand seller was talking about. Uh, oh the the. I think it was the squid things is all, you know, uh black flag just to, to cover up what's really happening, um, you know, elsewhere that they're, they're not reporting on. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, the, the news is a, a big piece. And in the series, there's the television show, the American hero story that goes back and kind of chronicles the Minutemen. That's, is that the, um, that's the convenience store scene? Yes. Yes. So yeah. in the second episode, the convenience store scene with hooded justice. So do they spotlight different vigilante figures in this oh, television sh- show? I sure hope so. So is this is like there- a Canadian's Heritage Minute. We're like, okay, now we're going to spotlight this one. Uh, so Minutemen was a group that predated the Watchmen, uh, and there's about you know, five or uh, six or seven characters there. So yeah, they definitely could highlight one character each episode. Okay, so and what if that this would be show, awesome? 
what if this is like The Wire and that the first season is about race and then the next season will be about the media and then the third season is, is about the school system? <laughs> <laughs> I would be on board for that. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, yeah, so the American uh, – what do you think of Hooded Justice? I didn't know what was going on, but I liked him. I liked his uh, red outfit with the ropes that he had around him. I thought that's fun. I thought he looks like fun. He is fun. Um, I wanted to mention that um, HBO always has great main title sequences. This show, don't got a main title sequence. I don't like that. No title sequence, no. And they could do something really clever, and they didn't do anything. I feel like that's very disappointing. Give me, a good, uh, give me a good theme song. Give me a good title show. You know, I think I agree sequence. with you. There, there, there's something to the pageantry. You gotta have, gotta have some flourish. Just, uh, um, it gets me in the mood. And I feel like HBO is one of the few places where you can do a title sequence. So, do it. And they didn't do it. And it annoys me. So talking about uh, kind of flourishing. So the the Zack Snyder movie is kind of uh, the Watchmen is known for having slow-mo fight choreography where, you know, they drop from the sky in slow-mo and then they throw punches in slow-mo. And you and I are both fans of Spartacus, which uses that slow-mo effect in every fight scene. Right. Do, do you think um, this show, this Watchmen could use some of that slow-mo in some of the, the fight choreography? No. And you're setting me up for something, I can tell. Because <laughs> listening to that Kotaku uh, conversation between the, the those podcast hosts, they said that one of the problems with the Watchmen movie is that it's tonally different from the book. The book has this like very gritty, real sort of like violence is awful and it's meant to be awful. And if it feels gratuitous and gross, it's supposed to feel that way. And the movie kind of painted it as something kind of fun and theatrical, and that's not that's at odds with the tone of the book. This feels like what they would want the movie to be in terms of its grittiness and its ugliness. So no, I don't want that ridiculous slow-mo fighting from Spartacus. And when it's in Spartacus, it makes me laugh because it's really bad, it's campy and hysterical. And that's why I like it on that show, because that show is fucking bonkers. That's <laughs> not what this is trying to be. So I'm glad that they don't do it. Nice so try. You're trying to trick I w- me. <laughs> I was trying to set you up on that one, and you, you answered it correctly. I, I think this show purposely is differentiating itself from the Zack Snyder movie, right? Um, now, well, I will I don't say... Know about that. I think it's trying to be more faithful to the source material. Right. Now, I will say the um, the American hero story with uh, the hooded justice those scenes were in slow-mo and i think they purposely did that because that's kind of like a tv show within a tv show yeah yeah so to differentiate the the two they they purposely like the they did it very smart yeah very smartly they they kind of are making sure you're aware that when it's a you know, black and white silent film from 1921, you know it. When it's a TV show inside of a TV show, you know it. There, there's kind of like, um, there, there's some smarts behind that, and I really appreciate that. I like the convenience store clerk in the background 
with his bug eyes. He was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Holding his ear because it got shot off. Oh, no, you're talking about the other one behind him. There's some guy behind him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who was just like, what's happening? Oh, I love it. <laughs> he was funny. Um, Deep observation there. What else you got? Uh, so the parallel story I mentioned in episode one, you, you kind of had that um, uh, the black and white silent movie paralleling the story of um, what what happens at the end of episode one. Uh, in episode two, there's the hooded justice in the American hero story. And um, the narration for that, he's asking, who am I? And he kind of answers his own question. If I knew that, I wouldn't be wearing a fucking mask, right? <clears throat> And so that that narration for the TV show within a TV show uh, parallels Sister Knight uh, trying to figure out who she is in relationship to this old guy in the wheelchair, which turns out to be her grandfather. Mm-hmm. Right. So she's asking, who am I at the same time that um, the show is telling you the, these are the connections being made and it's. Exactly what was written in the comic books, that, that parallel story structure, um, it's really smartly written, and uh, I just – I appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's one of the it, – it's kind of the world building, but it's also the story story structure around that, and it just – it thrilled me. Nice. I um, also thought the soundtrack – um, if you don't know, the graphic novel had a kind of soundtrack to it. Um, they 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 wrote in lyrics um, in between panels um, so that there was a soundtrack to go with it. So there there is definitely a soundtrack to go with this this series, and I think it's all smartly written. Um, episode well, two. Well, also the, uh, if you if you know Oklahoma. Yeah, you would know from the title of the episode that Jeff would die at the end. Apparently, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's like a massive like. I don't know what the Venn diagram looks like for Watchmen and Oklahoma fans, but if there there was that one person, they would be, oh, he's going to die at the end. Uh, I'm I thinking know that from the title. Uh, yeah, that's just the one person who would catch on to that. That's definitely. that one person who's like, oh, damn it! This show's terrible. They gave it all away. <laughs> Um, so episode two, the, the closing credits was, uh, Eggman for, by, uh, Beastie Boys. And, you know, we need some more Beastie Boys in my life. They, they need to have a kind of renaissance period coming back. Um, you know, they, they were in sabotage was in Star Trek and reprised in Star Trek beyond. Much to people's chagrin. No, I liked it. It I liked it. (laughs) In Star Trek. I like me uh, some Beastie Boys. I want to know. Okay, keep talking because I got to look up this actor's name. Um, so, in addition to the soundtrack, there is music uh, by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So, Trent Reznor, you would know from Nine Inch Nails. And um, he has a very unique style. Yeah. And Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross have worked together um, quite often. They they worked on The Social Network and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, both David Fincher movies. Yeah. So they their sound kind of goes along with uh, this kind of dark, 
gloomy, gritty kind of thing. It's kind of um, industrialish. Yes. Did yes. he? I'm glad you agree because I did. I was kind of bullshitting when I said that. Not quite sure. I, knew I don't know what I was talking about. Um, he did the music for Fight Club too, didn't he? Um, did I can he? look it up. I think he did. And then while you're looking that up, uh, the actor I'm talking about is James Wolk, and he's playing like a senator who's maybe running for president. And I'm wondering what his deal is. I really do like that actor, and we'll see what uh, what comes of that. Mm-mm-mm. Um, let's see. Uh, things you might not know. So the the graphic novel, um, the writer for that was Alan Moore. And um, the illustrator was Dave Gibbons. Now, in the credits for this TV show, it just has, based on the graphic novel, co-created and illustrated by Dave Gibbons. does not mention Alan Moore. Do you have any uh, speculation on why that is? I know the answer. I looked it up. but No, is Alan Moore an asshole? Has he raped anyone? <laughs> is he the Harvey Weinstein of comics? Uh, no, it's more – it's by his choice. Um, he – I think some of his properties he hasn't liked the adaptations for, so he's he's requested to have his name removed from any works that he is not directly responsible for. Uh-huh. So the he graphic like novel... A, he's an asshole, then. He sounds like yeah. a pretentious asshole. <laughs> I like how Stephen King's like, people make shitty movies based on my stuff. They make good movies based on my stuff. You know what? Whatever. I'm rich. <laughs> and I li- just like his sort of, eh, kind of attitude. He's not, everything's not so precious, you know? <laughs> All right. Um, what else did I have? What else do you have? Do you have anything else? Um, I'm scrubbing through. Uh, I wanted to say that as enjoyable as these first two episodes were, I think I would have rather watched all of Black Oklahoma because that <laughs> would be amazing and I would have been totally fine spending two hours with that. Um, I thought the paparazzi not paparazzi journalists on these little um wing contraptions was super goofy and i don't Mm -hmm. and i don't know if tonally it was the right play when they were taking um judd's body down the fact that he's just sort of like spazzing out in in the sky and falls down like seems a little strange if they have the technology to put guys up on cameras they couldn't just invent putting cameras up there they have to put the guys up there too yeah, technology's a little iffy. I, I can't quite figure it out. So in the Watchmen, um, uh, there's electric vehicles everywhere. There's blimps everywhere. Of course, this is New York City, so it's more um, urban setting where uh, technology is is kind of everywhere. Tulsa, it's a strange setting because it's more rural. There's pickup trucks and single prop planes, which kind of s- seems like stepping backwards in technology from what it should be. But then you have guys flying on, you know, wing contraptions. It, it, it is an odd, an odd mix. And I can't quite figure out where, where I stand on that. Um, but I do, I do. It is interesting. The police force all, you know, wear masks um, just to cover up their identity. Panda. Do you like the character Panda? Who had the the big? Uh, you know. I mean, I like his whole hat. Like, <laughs> he's cute. I, I thought this, it- side tangent here. Uh, when pandas came to the Toledo Zoo for the first time, and my mother went to see them, she became panda obsessed, and she made a bathroom that was panda themed, 
We're talking panda soap dishes, panda, um, like a toothbrush holder. She had like bamboo, like everywhere. She would, uh, do cro- counter cross stitch making panda things and she would frame them and hang them on the walls. It was panda the fuck out of there. It was insane. Even the shower curtain was bamboo themed. Like it was crazy. Now that you, I, and I haven't thought of this in like 20 years. <laughs> So I bet uh, he would be her favorite character. I'm sure. But it it does look like he took zero effort to cover up his face. He just like went out to the the local craft store and just bought a a costume, whatever the the furry costume of the day was and, and just Maybe he's like me on and and hates costumes. Like <laughs> I don't like adults in costumes. They make me uncomfortable. Kids fine, adults eh. Act your age. Don't have you don't need a costume. So he probably half assed it like me. I was like, is this fine? Can we can we move on with our lives now? <laughs> Let's go back to think- the old man. He got yes. picked up by a giant magnet. <laughs> 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 I did like that. I'm like, uh, see, it's like I don't know what's happening, but this is kind of goofy, and I like it. Like it's okay. They're he, having he- fun. He does seem to know a little bit more than he's letting on. So, like, he knows that he has friends in high places, With he says with a smirk. And, you know, as the audience, you're just going to have to, like, scratch your head and figure out what that means. And, and literally picked up from on high. So, it, it is it is interesting that um, the for him not kind of answering all of sister Knight's questions and having her figure it out on her own. It, I feel her frustrations with that, but um, it does make for an interesting um, kind of mystery for her to solve. And she's a, she's a police officer detective. So yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's a little patronizing to withhold information. <laughs> um, Speaking of her, cause I'm just scrubbing through the episode right now. I like, like really love the scene with her and Topher where she basically lets him parent himself and lets him parent the other two kids. He's, he's like, don't tell, don't tell the girls that my sisters, that uncle Jed, Jed is dead. Like I'll take care of it. And she's like, all right, because he's clearly a junior adult. Like he's already been through the trauma. He, maybe it's not a good approach, but I feel (laughs) like, I feel like, she understands him well enough to know that he has the sensitivity and sort of compassion that for his sisters that he can break the news to them in in a, in a way that she's a, a willing to let him deliver that news. Like he'll I, figure out the the best time to do that. I feel like Topher is going to be a bigger player than just a just a kid. Oh, season uh, two is Topher centric. He's a he's older. And now he's, yeah. Well, they, they've kind of hinted that Dr. Manhattan is kind of in multiple places and maybe Topher is connected to Dr. Manhattan somehow. Is that the guy on Mars? That's the guy on Mars. Well, he's on Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you caught, he was building something in the red sands of Mars and then you had Topher building something in his bedroom. Um, that looked very similar. So I, I think there is a connection. I don't know what that is. Oh, I don't know. He had like floating Legos. Yes. Is that not irritating that it 
it's kind of floating or does it move? It seems like it was moving just a little bit. Well, when he destroyed it and, and it yeah. fell into a billion pieces, that would have been irritating to having the pick all those up. So I, I hope they are magnetized where you can just like click and they all bunch together and you just pick it up in one piece. That would be nice. Now that, that's smart design right there. Oh, it just reminds me of having to, well, not having to, but my mother and I would put puzzles together and we would always put a piece of poster board down in case you needed to pick the puzzle up and move it to a different table. <laughs> <laughs> This is like the evolution of that. Um, we did see some blue penis. Yay for the blue penis. You, are, you, are you excited about the blue penis? That's um, very important. I was wondering, but is that, is that the actors? Do you think that was a body double? <laughs> or was that Ichabod's cranes? Was that, was that really Ichabod's crane? Uh, <laughs> I think that was really, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but, uh, Blue penis. I was happy to see some blue penis. Okay. That's 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 just a part of the the graphic novel. It was pervasive. It was everywhere. Kind of in your face. No explanation why. <laughs> um The Seventh Calvary, which is the racist bastards that are plotting some kind of mass destruction, I'm sure. Um they're wearing the the Rorschach masks. Do you do you have any understanding of what the Rorschach mask represents? I do and don't. I've heard of it. Mm. But if uh, there's some deep meaning, I probably don't know. So Rorschach was a one of the super heroes of the Watchmen. He was a character in um in the and it was actually one of my favorite characters from the Zack Snyder movie. Um who, and, who played him in the movie? Um, oh, I'd have to look it up. Um, but I, I don't like that the these racist bastards have uh, kind of appropriated his his mask. Um, because I, he wasn't a, he wasn't a racist bastard in the uh you know in the comic book. I, I don't know why they they've taken up his mantle. Um, it's it's frustrating to me. I guess they just needed some kind of masked figure and that he was available yeah mm-hmm. well i don't have anything more i mean i wanted to talk more about jeremy irons and what what's going on over there jeremy's um, iron <laughs> whenever i see him do, do you remember on on the simpsons did you ever mm. watch the simpsons i did Oh, the, the Lisa meets a, has a friend who is like so smart and her family is so smart that they play anagrams with celebrities' names. And he's like, I'll give you one. Jeremy Irons. And she goes, <laughs> Jeremy's Iron. <laughs> so whenever I see him, I go, Jeremy's Iron. <laughs> Sorry, that joke is only for me. I think so. <laughs> um, Jackie Earl Haley played Rorschach in the 2009 oh, film. Yeah, he had a little bit of a career comeback that during that stretch. He did. He did a very good job. So, yeah, I, I think uh, in episode one, the squid shower is was the standout for me. Um, I really in what way standout? Just, just the scene that made me smirk the most to, ha- uh, to have the squids fallen. Um, 
the clock imagery, look, look for that come on going forward because I, I can guarantee every episode will have clock faces and just circles. Um, just though the way they frame like people around a dinner table, if it's a circular dinner table, that's that's kind of the the symbolism that they're going for. Okay, I will I will keep an eye out. I like how they gave you squids and they gave me Jim Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> Think he'll uh, come back? Is he he'll be a important character to the to the series? Hmm. Who? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was distracted by um, Regina King's husband wearing a sheet, and I was wondering if that was supposed to represent something, because he was dressed as a ghost, and he was wearing a sheet. So, about what, um, what could that mean? What could that mean? Yeah, right. Did you catch any reference to President Robert Redford? Oh, yeah, there's plenty of, of that. Yeah. Okay. He's he's still pre- He became president, he's still president, and uh, is offering reparations to uh, victims of the descendants and victims of the 1921 event. So, no, I get all that. Get all that. Yeah. It's interesting that the, the Redford Redfordations has become something of a, a racial slur. You know, if you're, if you're accepting government money for reparations, then you're, you're looked down, down on even more negatively. It's mm-hmm. almost, you know, breeding more hate. Um, when it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a, uh, I don't know, reparations is supposed to be a, you know, uh, apology you know, please accept this. You know, we, we apologize and it's kind of getting turned on its head and, and becoming, um, the weapon that, um, these seventh cavalry, uh, are using. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, and, and it's be- very timely because reparations is something that has come up, um, in this, primary cycle with the Democratic mm-hmm. candidates. And I think it was uh, Feel Good Vibe, Marion Williamson, who said something like reparations. It's not just money, even though some of it is money because we took land. And therefore, if you would have that land and that property, you know, like, yes, we owe you plus interest. But it's just it's not just that. It's structural change. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a, a formal acknowledgement of Please, we're we're so sorry of all the mistakes that people before us made, and and we continue to make, and this is how we're going to course correct and do things totally different. And money is just like a part of that. So that's kind of been the conversation today. It's nice to see it addressed in a fiction like this as well. It's or it's at least it's interesting and uh, to see the parallels. And. I'll go even further. There's flashback scenes to uh, World War One uh, in the second episode, and um, you know, following World War One, Germany was heavily uh, forced into reparations uh, to the other nations of the world, and that that kind of bred some some further hate that led directly to World War Two. Um, so, kind of this. this exactly what you were saying, like, you know, reparations without that cultural shift that to go along with it, um, is not a kind of not enough. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we're, we're, we're seeing wow. history repeat itself. And uh, I think a show like this, a fictional show like this is important to kind of showcase that because yeah. we're, we're often, we often forget about history and we're like, Oh, this thing that happened in 1921. Oh, Hey, 
didn't know about that at all. Well, I got to say, even though some of the elements and plots at this point are a little bewildering to me, overall, there's a lot here to sink my teeth into, and I'm enjoying it more than I expected to. Again, a lot of that is Regina King, but <laughs> I yeah, do, I, 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 at least I'm appreciating the sense of style and attention to detail that they obviously put into this show. Like it's, it's not like it's super expensive looking, but it's done with so much care. I can tell that not knowing the source material. There you go. So you're happy with it. You're, ex- you're enjoying it. Yes. I'm happy with it. But I, I would, I I'm happy with it because I know that that graphic novel background. I don't know if I would be as happy with it going into it cold. Well, um, because wouldn't be as happy, but there is a lot to go into that they don't bother explaining. They don't go into who is Doctor Manhattan, who is Rorschach, who is Vite, um, who are these characters, and even going back to the Minutemen with. Um, the American hero story, <laughs> even that, the name, the Minutemen were not all, you know, American heroes. They were, they were shades of gray, like everyone else. Um, so even, even this, this history narrative of, Oh, here's our heroes. No, 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 they're not. <laughs> so if you just take everything on face value, not knowing kind of the, the background, um, you you're in for a treat, I guess, if they, they really, if you go into it for enough, but I, I think there's enough material going all the way back to world war one. They're, they're showing you the layers that society has been built upon. Um, and you just kind of have to suck it all in, uh, to get the full picture. Um, if you're, if you have this narrow vision of just what's presented on screen at any one point, that's that's not enough to really uh, do the series justice. Okay. Yeah. So either all in, or uh, I think I think you'll be lost, and I don't know. It, wow. it would be tough. It'd be a tough sell. So I, I'm interested to hear your take on it. Um, you know, at the end of the series. Yeah. Jeremy's Iron. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. Thanks for recording this with me. No problem. Thank you. And I'm going to log off and do some podcast editing. <laughs> oh, it's boring and I hate it. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks.